This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd encourage you, if you would, take your Bible and go with me to the book of Jude. We've been, we've been looking together in this book in recent weeks, the book of Jude. It is a, a very short book. As we have noted, it has an amazing amount of truth in just a short few verses. And it is very appropriate for the time in which we uh, are living today. Uh, Jude is on the doorstep of the book of Revelation and uh, the time of the coming of the Lord is at hand, and we believe the, the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church, and we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Jude is placed here before the book of Revelation to instruct us and to guide us as we live in these days. And uh, I want to encourage you, uh, let's note what, the Word of God has recorded for us here in this book, beginning in verse number one, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Caleb. Excuse me, they've gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. I want us to pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us and the opportunity that we have together today to look into your word. And we pray that as we come 
to your word, that you will encourage us, that you will remind us that we are looking into a book that is a living book. It is a perfect book. And it has the message that we need in this day and this hour. We pray the Holy Spirit would give us understanding and help us to receive your truth, to be warned of the impending judgment, to be instructed in the way in which we should go, that your church would be preserved and protected, and that we would advance forward for the cause of Christ in these difficult times in which we live. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would enable me preach the message that you have, enable us to listen attentively in our homes or wherever we may be gathered in these moments. May we recognize that we're not just watching on a screen, but we are participating together in worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we have noted in the book of Jude, we find that Jude had a desire to encourage the saints. And as he began to write his epistle, he says in verse number three, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, he introduces us to this notion that there is a war that is raging and the war in many fronts is an unseen war, but nevertheless it rages. And and the enemy can be hard to identify. Notice in verse number four, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. They they came in under cover. They came in and uh, they were not noticed. They didn't announce themselves to be the enemy, but nonetheless, they were the enemy. And because of the imminent danger that the enemy proposes to the church, Jude writes that we are to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, when we think about the image of what that looks like, I think sometimes we think of it in a very visible demonstration of contending for the faith. We, we think of uh, a body of believers who say we're not going to uh, subscribe to this certain uh, error and doctrine. Uh, That is a false doctrine, but we are going to, as a church family, we are going uh, to adhere to the truth of the scriptures. And I certainly believe that is, is the picture here, but I also think that sometimes we miss, uh, the fact that this battle often is waged in an, in a realm that is unseen and sometimes in a realm that is unuttered and unheard. And that is in the realm of the mind, not just how it affects and impacts the body of believers, but how it affects and impacts individual believers to understand that the enemy, and we know who the enemy is, he's the devil, but he has agents and he works through his agents uh, to uh, refute the truth of the word of God. And here we find that Jude is warning the believers to earnestly contend for the faith. And so as we think about that, we need to understand that that's not just something that happens on a Sunday or a Wednesday in a pulpit. It is something that happens in your home. It is something that happens in your heart. It is something that happens on a daily basis in your life. 
that we are to earnestly contend for the faith because there is a barrage of thoughts and ideas that are, are being uh, launched out like uh, ammunition against us and against the truth and how it impacts and affects the mind. It does great, great damage. And so we need to understand that we are called on to earnestly contend for the faith. And here we find that the enemy is exposed. He's difficult sometimes uh, to identify, but we, we understand that there are marks that we find in the book of Jude that will help us to identify the enemy. Now, we've noted two things already about the enemy in, in exposing him. Number one, we uh, see the manner of the enemy. We are to know his manner. And uh, that manner is exposed in three ways that we find in verse number eight. Uh, likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. They defile the flesh. They despise dominion, and they defame those who are in authority. This is their manner. This is the way they conduct themselves. And then we saw last week uh, the mind of the enemy, how the mind of the enemy is exposed. And it is exposed through a contrast. And we found that there is no respect, no reverence in their thinking. And then a comparison, they are compared to natural brute beasts. And therefore, you are unable to reason with them. And it's important for us to note here that this assault, this this attack of the enemy against us is in the form of ideas and thoughts that are contrary to the truths of the word of God. The battle is for the mind and for the soul. And if you're a Christian, God has your soul. Praise God for that. But Satan wants to work against your mind and your thinking. And today there are so many avenues into our minds and there are so many influences who are speaking to us. And I would encourage you through this message to carefully examine who you allow to influence your life and to exercise great discernment as you seek to earnestly contend for the faith. Now we come today to verse number 11 and we're going to see the final thing uh, that will help us expose the enemy. We have looked at his manner. We have looked inside of his mind, the way he thinks, and now we're going to examine his methods or the way in which he works. Notice if you would again in verse number 11, we'll read this verse together. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now we note there are comparisons here to three uh, characters in the Old Testament. The first is Cain. The second is Balaam, who was a prophet. And the other is Korah, who was among the people of Israel uh, during the time of the Exodus. Now, we're going to note, first of all, the method of the enemy as it compares to Cain. And if you're taking notes, just simply, number one, they have gone in the way of Cain. Now, if we're going to understand what that is speaking of, we need to look back into the book of Genesis. So I want to encourage you to turn there with me, would you please? Genesis chapter number 4, and we're going to read uh, a number of verses here in Genesis 4, because if we're going to understand how the enemy works, and God has given us a description here of how he works and his methods, 
then we need to understand how Cain operated. So let's look together. Genesis chapter number four and beginning in verse number one. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Eve's thought was that this will be the man. This will be the seed who will bruise uh, or rather who will crush the head of the devil. This is the redeemer. I have gotten a man from the Lord. He will, he will bruise the head of, uh, the, or he will crush the head, rather, of the serpent. Verse 2, and she again bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt, not, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Here we find the story of the, these two boys, Cain and Abel. Cain being the firstborn, Abel being uh, the youngest or the younger of the two. And we find that Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was Eve's hope, uh, but his heart was not with the Lord. And Abel, he was a shepherd. And Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. Uh, Abel understood the nature of the blood sacrifice. Cain rejected the nature of the blood sacrifice. Cain rejected God's prescribed method for coming to him. And Cain insisted that he make his own way. Therefore, the Bible says they have gone in the way of Cain. Cain is the way of rebellion. He was obstinate in his rebellion. You see, Cain rejected this sacrifice that God prescribed. And we need to understand that the sacrifice that God prescribed is a picture of the ultimate sacrifice that was made for us on the cross of Calvary when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, bled and died and paid for our sin. But Cain despised that and Cain rejected that and he refused to submit to the Lord. Although the Lord reasoned with him, Cain insisted on going his own way. Commentators tell us his inappropriate offering revealed the irreverent blasphemy of his heart. As he rejected God's revelation and operated by his own self-styled instinct and pride, in what he had produced. Cain said, look, this is the best I can do. These are the works of my hands. This is what I have produced. He is a, a picture of a man who uh, goes about to establish his own righteousness and in the process rejects the true righteousness of God, which is given to us and provided to us through the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a propitiation for all of our sins. You see, the way of Cain is the way of religion without faith. It is righteousness based on one's character and good works. It's the way of pride. It's the way of a man making his own way. And then we find what that way leads to. Well, it leads, first of all, to anger. It leads to anger. 
The Bible tells us in verse 5, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. God would not accept or receive the offering of Cain. And Cain was very wroth. That means he was very angry. He was furious. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Here we find that Cain is a man who is full of anger in his rebellion. Rebellion always produces anger. Rebellion, the insistence that, uh, that, that one would not submit to the authority of the other, that one would go about to make his own way. And there are so many Cains in this world who say, I won't have any man or any God to rule over me. God is going to have to come to me on my terms. That's the way of Cain. And it always produces anger. In verse number eight, the Bible tells us, and Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? You see, Cain in his rebellion grew angry and full of hate. And in his anger, he desired to kill and he did kill his brother. He laid his hands on him. He carried out an awful deed and he slew him. And when confronted with God in his anger, he denied what he had done. Angry people. This world's full of angry people. Just to scroll through the internet Facebook, Twitter will reveal the anger and the vitriol of many. Our culture, our nation, which has turned its back on God, has become an angry place. And even among Christians, there is so much anger. There's such insistence that things be done their way. There's a lack of submission to the authority of God. There's a lack of reasoning. And they rebel against God in anger. Don't allow this spirit of rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft, to come into your heart and into your mind. Don't allow anyone who is filled with that anger to influence your life. But notice something else. The way of Cain leads to anger, but it also leads to abandonment. And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. God said, I know what you've done. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou, lift, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Here the Lord says, you're going to be a fugitive. You're going to be a vagabond. You, you, you cannot find a harmony. You cannot find peace in your heart because of your, your, your pride and because of your insistence upon making your own way, because of your rebellion. And there's nobody who can reason with you. There is no one who can dwell with you. You cannot be satisfied, Cain, and therefore you will be a vagabond. You will be a fugitive in the earth. The Bible says in verse 16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. What a heartbreaking statement. 
And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Oh, friend, I want to encourage you today. If you've rebelled against God, if you've rebelled against the authority that God has placed in your life, if you've insisted in your pride to make your own way, it will only produce anger and it will eventually produce abandonment. Oh, don't go out from the presence of the Lord. Bow your heart, your will, your neck to him and come to Jesus today. And don't, dear Christian friend, allow someone who has gone in the way of Cain to influence your life. The second thing we note about his method or the methods of the enemy, not only that they have gone in the way of Cain, but that they have ran or they ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. You see, we find not only their method, but we also find a motive that is intertwined with that method. Cain's motive was to make his own way. Balaam's motive was to receive a reward. Now, we find something of Balaam in the book of Numbers, and I invite you to turn there with me. Numbers chapter number 22. And the children of Israel are in the wilderness, and uh, they have enemies around them, the Moabites and the Midianites. And the Bible tells us of a king in Numbers chapter number 22. In verse number four, and Balak, in the latter part of the fourth verse, and Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. So here's the Moabite king, and he, he wants to defeat Israel. And so he seeks to hire Balaam. Come now, therefore, he says in verse 6, I pray thee, curse me this people. Then we see, he says later in verse number 6, For I know that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian, verse 7, departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. So they're going to Balaam. They're saying, we know that you are a diviner. We know that you can pronounce blessings and cursings upon people. And we have an offer for you. We have some money for you. We have a reward for you because we can't defeat Israel on our own. We need your help. And so they bring money to him. In verse number eight, and he said unto them, lodge here this night and I will bring you word again as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam and God came, verse 9, unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent me unto thee, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me. Then peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with him. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes, more 
and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, I, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore I pray you tarry you also here this night that I may know what the Lord was saying to me. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Then verse 21, And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. We have a very unusual story here. There's a man named Balaam who is a man who knows the Lord. He's a man who has uh, communed with God. And he is a man who has a reputation of being able to speak the message of God. And Balak, the king of the Moabites, understands this. And he desires to use Balaam against the people of Israel. He's threatened by them. And so he, he seeks to hire him with money. And Balaam said, I'll tell you this, I cannot, no matter what you give me, I cannot go against the word of the Lord. And so Balak, in verse 15 of chapter 22, makes another attempt and he sends representatives or princes who are more and more honorable than they. He offers in verse 17 to promote him. You see, here we find in Balaam a man who desires, as Jude tells us, he desires reward. The reward that he seeks obviously is financial, monetary reward, but he also is tantalized and drawn away by uh, this idea of being a notable person, by being honored. He is someone who is captivated by the prestige of the king. So many times we as believers can be captivated in our minds by the notoriety of important people, maybe a political figure or maybe an entertainment figure or an athletic figure, someone that impresses us and the thought that we could somehow uh, know them or be honored by them uh, that would cause us uh, to compromise in some way what we believe. And I would ask you a question. Do you know what you believe today? And are you willing to compromise what you believe in order to be rewarded, to, to get the good job or, or to have an opportunity financially? Are, are, are you willing to, to, to compromise what you believe so that you will be accepted, maybe not by famous people, but just by a circle of friends that you're, that you're acquainted with? And maybe the fact that they don't accept you bothers you. And you're willing then to do whatever it may take, including compromise your convictions so that you might find acceptance with them. You see, here we find that Balaam is pretending himself, portraying himself as a prophet of God, but he is not willing to walk fully in obedience to God. He's being drawn away, seeking reward. And I will tell you that there are many in our nation, many in our nation and many in our churches who have an impure motive. They are seeking reward. 
Some of them are so obvious we wouldn't have to identify them. But there are others who are not so obvious. And only through discernment can we know who they truly are. And time will always tell the story, won't it? And Balaam refused to just obey God. He, he kept looking for ways to get around it. Every time God would tell him something, he'd come back to God again. And what he's doing is he's revealing his heart. He's revealing what he really wants. He doesn't want acceptance with God. He wants acceptance with men. He doesn't want eternal rewards. He wants temporal rewards. And so he keeps coming to God looking for ways to get around what God has said. But he couldn't do it. Finally, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel in Numbers 25 were seduced by the Moabite women. There was a great plague that came upon the people of God. And the Bible tells us in the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the Bible speaks of the part that Balaam played in that whole thing. You see, Balak wanted Balaam to curse the people. But he couldn't do it. But Balaam did something to get that approval, to get that acceptance, and to get that reward. And we're told what it is here in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 14. He says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 14, this is the Lord speaking to his church. He said, but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Here was a man, Balaam, who though he could not contradict and go against the scripture, advised Balak to introduce his false religion and to seduce the people with the women of Moab. And it caused sin, and it caused the judgment of God, and Balaam was behind it all. You see, the Bible said they defile the flesh. And Balaam is a picture of a man who taught the people of God to defile their flesh. He introduced this temptation, and it brought great destruction. You see, there are people who will go to great lengths to justify their sin. And though God has warned them time and time and time again. In fact, we have a culture that has known the truths of God's word. And yet, in our effort as a culture, as a nation, to justify our immorality and our wickedness so that we might be comfortable, so that we might be accepted. And by the way, we have politicians today who are willing, uh, for the most part, not all, and we thank God for those who stand on principle, and we need to pray for them more and more. And we have pastors, by the way, who are standing on principle, but we have some pastors and some politicians who are in places of leadership who are captivated by the thought of prestige and by monetary reward, and they are influencing many down a path that will lead to destruction. And so we see, according to verse number 11, they've gone in the way of Cain. They've ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. And then we see finally here in verse number 11, and they perished in the gainsaying of Korah. 
They perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now we're introduced to Korah in, in the book of Numbers in the 16th chapter. Uh, Numbers chapter 16, I want to invite your attention there if we could. Numbers chapter 16, verse number 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab and On, and the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spoke unto Korah and to all this company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. We find that the next day, as Moses speaks to Korah, he says in verse 9, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them? Uh, we find that uh, Dathan and Abiram were also companions with Korah in this rebellion. And the Bible says in verse 12, And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. And then they mock Moses. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou makest thyself altogether a prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought unto us or thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us an inheritance of the fields and vineyards, wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. And so we find that this rebellion was started by these men, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. The Bible speaks of the gainsaying of Korah here in the book of Jude and verse number 11. This gainsaying, this is to speak against. This is to speak uh, reproachfully against. Here we find that these men, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, though they had places of service in the, in, in, to the Lord, in worshiping the Lord and leading the people, though they had a position in among God's people, though they had a place in Israel, though they had been redeemed by God and delivered from Egyptian bondage, though they were headed, if they had simply been obedient to the land of Canaan, to the land of promise, though they had all of these privileges, yet their heart was filled with covetousness and they rebelled against the God-ordained, God-appointed leadership was above them and in their life. And we find that Moses was a meek man. That's what the Bible tells us. He was a man who loved God. There had been a time in his life when he was lifted up in pride and thought himself to be a deliverer, but 40 years on the backside of the wilderness uh, taught him 
that he was nothing of himself, that he had to look to God. And God worked in the life of Moses and called him and appointed him to be the leader of the people. And God's power and presence was upon his life. And there was no doubt that Moses was God's man. And that was not enough for these guys. And by the way, that's not enough for a lot of people. Because here they are. They want position. They want recognition. They want prestige. They want power. And they don't want to listen to anybody else. They do not want to submit to any leadership. And here they are, gainsaying, speaking reproachfully against God's appointed leadership and leading the people in to rebellion. Now, if you followed the story, and I invite you to do so in, Je in Numbers chapter 16 and beyond, you're going to find that those men who were part of that rebellion, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and those 250 men gathered themselves against Moses. And the Bible says that God caused the earth to open up and they were swallowed into the earth. Something that had never been seen before. They perished because of the gainsaying of Korah. The Bible tells us that the next day there was a rebellion among the people that you would have thought that would have, that would have discouraged them from any rebellion. But no, they grew angry and, and, and they, they, in their upset emotions came to Moses in rebellion, blaming him for the death of those 250 rebels. And so a plague came upon the people of God and 14,000 died. You see, there are men, there are people who play the part, who seem to curry favor with God's people, who are discontented with the opportunity and the privilege that God has given them. They want more and they don't mind to speak reproachfully against God's leaders. And by the way, I understand we live in a time where many of those who have been leadership in churches have failed. They have had improper motives themselves. They have exhibited a type of leadership that is not Christ honoring. But we find that in the life of David, David committed himself to the Lord. As he dealt with Saul, he put it in the hands of God. He did not try, though he had opportunity in 1 Samuel 24, he did not take the, the, the uh, opportunity into his own hands. He committed it to God to let God deal with it. And I want to tell you something. We're always better if there is an injustice, if there is a heavy-handed leadership, if there is a wrong style, then we're always going to benefit when we give it to the Lord. These men, though, were motivated by a thirst for power and influence. And they spoke reproachfully against God's messenger. And not only did it bring judgment upon them, but we see that it affected 14,700 Israelites who perished in the wilderness. Let me tell you that these enemies of the truth are dangerous people. They can influence your thinking. They can influence your attitude, and that can permeate into your home, into your children, and that can cause great destruction. You see, there are enemies of truth operating today, and God reveals them to us in his word. And what we have to understand is that we as individual believers, 
must earnestly contend for the faith, for the truth of God's word in our hearts and in the realm of our mind, our thinking, and our attitude. You see, we find these men, the Bible says they have gone in the way of Cain. Do you find yourself there? Nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody can reason with you. You you just have a better idea than God does. You have a better idea than mom and dad does. You have a better idea than those who love you have, who want to walk in God's truth. You want to do it your way. They've gone in the way of Cain. It always leads to anger. It always leads to abandonment and loneliness, separation from the Lord and those who love you. Or they ran greedily after the heir of Balaam, seeking power, seeking prestige, seeking honor, seeking riches. They're willing to compromise what God has said. Is that true in your life? Have you found yourself doing things you can't believe you're doing just because you want the favor of man? Are you willing to be obedient to God no matter the cost? By the way, God always blesses and rewards those who are obedient to him. And then they perished in the gainsaying of Korah in rebellion, in reproachful words. You see, if Korah was ever going to have to be, have a position of leadership, and that's what he really wanted, he wanted to be the man. Then he had to speak against the man that God had put there. And the difference is there's a man that God places there, and then there's the man that wants to place himself there. And may God help us not to listen to those people. They're all over Facebook. They're all over Twitter. They're angry people with bad attitudes who don't care to say anything and everything about God's people and about God's leaders. And so may the Lord help us to see the enemy. He's been exposed for us. We see his manner, the way he operates. Uh, We see his mind, and then we see his methodology. May God help us to heed today the words of Jude, that we might earnestly contend for the faith. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.